Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The Raiders. Now, I want to preface this by saying I do have pretty high hopes for the Raiders this year. I've got concerns about the Raiders this year, but I've got pretty high hopes. And I like the new regime. Although the new regime may have misstepped already a couple of times. I like the upside. I like the potential. I like what I see. I just preface what I'm about to say with all of that. Now, here's what I'm about to say. They did cut 2021 first-round draft pick Alex Leatherwood. Last year's first-round pick, cut. That's not easy to do. It is not easy to be taken in the first round and then cut the next year. They flat-out cut him, released him, kicked him to the curb, broke him. Him the hell off. How about these picks or these numbers? 17th pick, 17 games, hit the bricks, pal. Roughly 16 months after he was drafted, Leatherwood can now pull up a chair right alongside Tony Mandrich, Jamarcus Russell, Heath Schuler, and Johnny Manziel at the table of draft bus. That is a truly disastrous pick. One that everybody not named John Gruden and Mike Mayock knew would be a disaster. Yet they still went ahead anyway. They still made that pick anyway. Speaking of Gruden, 1,500 miles away, Gruden himself was actually showing up at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. And let me say this about the video from the event. Because I know what you'll do. This is the one day I'm happy I'm not on TV. Because I can't. I know that you won't see the video and then start reacting. I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am not here for your takes on how he looks. I'm not here to hear you talk about how rotund, i.e. fat, you think he is. Or the fact that you think that Kirk Heinrich and Mark Davis take turns cutting Gruden's hair. I'm not here for that. I'm here to say that Gruden was talking for the first time about getting bleep canned last year and the emails that included racist, homophobic, transphobic, misogynistic language, and porn. He talked about that for the first time. This is what he had to say, and this is how he handled that part. I'm ashamed about uh, what has uh, come about in these emails, and I'll make no uh, excuses for it. It's just, it's, it's shameful. But I am a good person. I believe that. I, I'm, I, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody else in here hasn't. Uh, and I just ask for forgiveness and hopefully I get another shot. All right. So there's a whole lot in there, right? We've all made mistakes. I agree. I've made them. You've made them. But that's not what this is. That was not a one-off error in judgment. That was not something that just slipped out. That was a steady stream of communication over the years. Those emails were so bad that even his brother in horrible haircuts, Mark Davis, could not protect this guy. Pretty rich to declare, quote, I am a good person. I believe that. I am a good person. I believe that. I I'm not really sure what to do with that other than to say, I'm glad that you think so, but I'm not sure that you're the best judge of that. 
I mean, you might be a little bit biased in that matter. I mean, you are you. And I love the whole setup. But, but, I'm ashamed. But, I know what I said. But, if there's a but, then you really are not ashamed. If there's a but, everything that comes before the but doesn't matter because but. Delete anything that comes before but because but. But. Also, the fact that you've been married for a long time and that you have kids does not mean that you should be a football coach again. It'd be like me saying, hey, I've got two kids. I should coach in the NFL. I mean, I have two kids. And by the way, I've been married a long time. Why am I not a head coach in the NFL? Or the fact that you go to church. Neither does that mean that you should be back in the NFL or that you love football. Like, I'm not sure how all these things balance out all the awfulness in those emails. But apparently in Gruden's mind, they do. Which should tell you a lot about Gruden's mind. It's about as sharp as Gruden's haircut. I would say the crap that you put in those emails, and not just one or two emails, but a lot of emails over a number of years, would mean that a team should never hire you ever again. But here's another reason why a team should never hire you ever again. You're bad at your job. Even if those emails never happened, this dude should not get another job because he's terrible at that job. I've been saying that for a long time. Years, in fact. I was saying it last week when Dana White told the world that the Raiders could have had Tom Brady and Gronk, but Gruden shut that down. The fact that he's making this plea on the same day that Alex Leatherwood, his first-round pick from last year, is cut is incredible. If anything, that should humble that guy, but it doesn't. And again, Leatherwood is not a one-off. He might be the worst of the worst when it comes to those draft picks, but he is far from a one-off. In fact, it's part of a trend. He's the third consecutive Raider first-round pick not to make it to two years on the roster. That is incredible. Two years. I'm not saying you have to hit on every single first-round pick, but you can't smack your, smash yourself in your own package every single time you go to make a first-round pick. If you're using a first-round pick, you're hoping that it's a franchise cornerstone. And Gruden couldn't even get guys to last two years in the league. The Rams have more success with undrafted guys than John Gruden and the Raiders have had with their first-round picks. Fact. And it gets worse. The Raiders traded their 2019 second-round pick yesterday to the Cards for a seventh-round pick. They turned a second-round pick into a seventh. Pretty horrible ROI. They've had three third-round picks. In 2020, they did. Had to hit on one of those, right? Wrong. Wrong. All of them are gone. Yet this guy wants another shot. This guy wants back in. Are you kidding me with that? And then... How weird is this? I get choked up, you know, because uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there right now. What you read, what you hear, what you watch on TV. Hell, I worked at ESPN for nine years. I worked hard at that job. I don't even want to watch the channel anymore uh, because I don't believe everything is true. Uh, And I know a lot of it is is just trying to get people to watch. But I think we got to get back to reality. Dude, no, you have got to get back to reality. 
What the hell are you talking about there? Him cracking ESPN is the richest thing ever because they made this guy so rich by cramming his bullcrap content down our throats for years. Yet he's got a problem with them? Don't get it twisted. Everybody I know pretty much has a problem with ESPN. But he's the last guy who should have a problem with ESPN because he made millions off of them for doing very, very little. And essentially nothing interesting. But why should anybody hire John Gruden? Even if you want to ignore the emails. Even if you can get beyond the emails, which you shouldn't. Even if you want to take his word that I am a good person because I'm married and I have kids. I am a good person. I believe that. Even if you believe that. Or he believes that, which you shouldn't, even though he has kids and he goes to church. You should not hire this guy because he's a terrible football coach and an even worse evaluator of talent. All right, this is not some hot take or some personal take. He's barely over 500 for his career. He has not had a winning record since 2008. He has not won a playoff game in 20 years. If those quotes from Little Rock are anything to go by, too, he has not taken a good look at himself in the mirror. He hasn't done any self-reflection. He just wants to talk ball. And he's not even good at that. All he does is make really weird faces. Seriously, the hell does this guy bring to it other than a big-ass gut and a horrible haircut? Never mind bringing this guy into coach. The hell were they thinking even bringing this guy into speak? Nice knowing you, Chunk. Hope we never see you ever again. As far as Leatherwood, he's almost skating in this whole thing, right? Like cut down day. Cut day is never pleasant. It's never a good day. Now, I don't know Alex Leatherwood other than what I've seen from him. On film, during games, live action. And of course, like everybody else, what I've seen is just terrible. It doesn't mean he's a terrible guy. But he has been a terrible NFL player. But man, did he ever get done dirty yesterday. Check out this tweet from Ian Rappaport. Quote, they tried to trade him to everyone, got 32 no's. 32 no's. You think they wanted to cut their first round draft pick? Of course not. Every team in the league said no. I mean, dang rap sheet. The kid's probably got a family, right? A mother? Maybe some sibs? Some friends? 32 no's. Bad enough that this guy will be forever connected to Gruden. And it's a part of a horrendous lineage with the Raiders. But now he's got to wear this around his neck too. 32 no's. Assuming that he gets another chance and that's not even a lock, he should change his number to 32. He should wear a giant chain around his neck with a gold 32. He should get a pair of brass knuckles, right hand three, left hand two. I know a lot about sales. I know that I was not good at sales, but I read so many sales books. I can't say how many things that I remember from my career, my failed career in sales. But most of all, what I do remember is it's not how many no's, it's how many yeses. And you just need one big yes. 
Yeah, well, get the hell out of my face with that. Try 32 no's and no yeses. No! Can you do that 32 times, Avi? No! 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32! 32, no, no! Yeah, yo, is this the uh, Arizona Cardinals reception? Yeah, uh, transfer me to the GM, please. Steve Cameron? Yeah, this is the Raiders. No! Hey, if you're calling us about Leatherwood, the answer is no. Alex Leatherwood. Well, not a good day. Not a good day for the Silver and Black or Gruden or Leatherwood. I am a good person. I believe that. I... So do you own or run a small business? It has been tough the past couple of years, right? But you may qualify for a tax refund of up to $26,000 per employee. It's not a loan like the PPP was, but an actual refund of your payroll taxes. Omega Accounting Solutions is helping small business owners like you in applying for and getting this tax refund for your business. The tax credit is part of the federal government plan called the Employee Retention Credit Program, or ERC. In the last six months alone, Omega has recovered over $300 million in cash ERC refunds for businesses. Remember, this is not a loan, but a refund on your payroll taxes. Omega Accounting Solutions helps businesses nationwide. If you have more than five, but less than 500 employees, they are likely able to help you as well. A better business bureau partner and a champion for small business. Omega has 15 years of accounting experience, so find out if you qualify today. This program is available for only a short period of time, so call toll-free 800-704-2000, 800-704-2000, or go online to omegataxcredits.com. You've got everything to gain by determining if you qualify. That is omegataxcredits.com. Jackson Holiday is my guest. Jackson, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, Jackson. Really well. So your father and I obviously go way, way back. So I've looked forward to having this conversation with you for quite some time. You had a strong game last night for the Shorebirds. I know the result of the game overall didn't go the way you would have liked, but how pleased were you with your own performance last night? Um, it was a, it was a better game than, than I've had in, in the past, but um, uh, definitely, definitely a step in the right direction. So uh, looking forward to tonight and... Um, going out there and hopefully getting the win. All right, so take me back. It's been a couple of months since you were drafted by Baltimore number one overall. I talked to your dad about that a few weeks back, about the experience and what it was like for him and the family. What was that draft day like for you personally, and how did it feel to go number one overall? It was a, it was a really neat day. Um, uh, just being able there uh, with my family and getting to share that experience with them was something that, that I'll never forget. And um, to be able to to be the first pick was was a true honor and um, something that uh, I take a lot of pride in now. And I want to represent my family and, uh, and the Orioles and um, work hard as possible to, to honor them. Jackson Holiday, my guest. So, of course, you grew up around the game. I mean, quite literally in the game, spending time in Major League Baseball clubhouses. What do you remember about being able to be in the clubhouse? And what were the, the types of things that you learned from the guys that you met there when you were coming up? Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be able to to be there kind of my 
whole dad's career. So um, just being able to to be in the in the clubhouse and and get to see firsthand how uh, how these guys take care of their business and um, uh, day in and day out how hard they work, even though they're at the the highest level, is something that that I carry over now. And um, hopefully, I can. Um, have some success here in the minor leagues and, and be up there sooner and later. Jackson Holiday is my guest. I thought you had a great line, too, when you told Jeff Passan that when it came to wanting to be a ball player, quote, I didn't have to look up to someone I didn't know. He was there every day. You said that about your dad. What did you learn from your father about the craft of baseball and also how to work and approach the game on a daily basis? Um, definitely just how he handled his business. Um, he was a uh, very professional on and off the field, and um, he never um, never showed if he had a good game or a bad game as a dad, and that's something that that I'm very um, blessed to, to have. And um, just how hard he worked on and off the field, and still now, how hard he's he's still working to to just compete in anything that he does is something that that is really neat to see. So I'd say his work ethic is something that that is really uh, neat for me i actually think that's awesome that he still competes whenever he can even right now in fact jackson i keep bringing him up because he's one of my favorite guys your dad when he and i spoke earlier we also talked about the fact that you and ethan played together at stillwater high i know what it means to your dad to be able to see the two of you play but how much fun did you have playing with ethan and what memories do you take away from that yeah that was uh that's something that like has a special place in my heart for sure and um Playing with Ethan was probably um, my favorite baseball memory up to this point, and um, it was really neat to to be able to compete with him for for kind of the first time, and uh, to be able to hit two and three and, and play short and third was was really really special. And uh, he he's very very talented, and it made uh made this whole process uh, a whole lot easier. I was gonna say, Jackson, he Ethan is a stud. He's a stud as well. For those who do not know his game yet, how good is he, and how bright is his future? Um, at the same age, he was a he was a whole lot better than I am. So uh, uh, I'm gonna stop saying nice things about him because the other day he just bashed me on uh, on Twitter for <laughs> he's better than me. So uh, funny. But he uh, he's he's a special talent, and uh, here in a few years he'll be uh, hopefully in the same situation that I am that's funny Jackson Holiday joining us the thing that comes up a lot too is you know essentially you like to keep things pretty simple you work at baseball you love to hang out with the fam you like to go fishing in fact a few days before the draft you had posted some pics from a fishing trip where were you guys and how'd that go for you what'd you catch uh, we were we were down in Jupiter with uh, some of, some of my buddies and uh, I never caught a sailfish so we went out and tried to catch some sailfish and we I think we caught like four and a wahoo, and uh, it was a whole lot of fun. Something that uh, I definitely want to go back and, and do a whole lot more uh, maybe this offseason. It's a good day. Jackson Holiday joins me for a few more moments. I know a couple of years back, too, that Nolan Arenado flew to Oklahoma. He wanted to work out with you and your younger brother, Ethan. I know how impressed he was with you and your game. What did you learn from Nolan from that time that you spent with him? Um, Like I said, like uh, each big leaguer is it stands out of how hard they work. And um, he came down in January, and if you've ever been to Oklahoma, January is not a whole lot of fun. And uh, he's taking ground balls with us on the field, and it's raining and cold, and 
he's making all the plays that, that you see on TV and um, just he'd already won like five or six gold gloves at that point and uh, it was just really neat for, for me to see of how hard uh, and attention to detail that he was and um, that's something that, that I take day in and day out and uh, uh, he's one of my favorite players. Hmm. So let me ask you this, earlier this month when you started out in the Florida Complex League, you were raking, then they moved you up to low A ball, you made that transition from high school baseball to pro ball, look pretty easy overall. What's it been like going from high school ball to the pros, and has it been as easy as you've made it look? Um, it's To be honest, it's a whole lot more fun, because you don't have to worry about anything besides playing baseball, and uh the group of guys that, that we have down here is, is a whole lot of fun too. The the draft class has been it's been awesome. The guys are great, and uh, it's really really fun to, to be able to compete with them. So they they've made it a lot easier on me, kind of just being able to go out there and and enjoy it. And um, but it's a different. I mean, all these guys are, are professionals now and no longer in high school. So uh, just being able to to focus each and every at bat and and each pitch is. Been been a lot of fun for me because I, I enjoy competing and to be able to to compete against um, also really good players is a whole lot of fun. And tonight apparently the guy throws 103, so we'll have a, we'll have another challenge in front of us. I like that. One last thought. You know, we talked about certain things between the lines. I'm curious about life outside. For instance, when you're the son of a famous baseball player, there's gonna be a lot of people looking to take you down. People looking for you to fail. But you've said, "quote I need to represent myself." with super high standards. I try to do the right thing and treat people with respect and class. And to quote, to me, for somebody your age, it's a really mature mindset. Where did that come from, and how do you approach all of those challenges? Um, that definitely comes from, from my family. And um, we, uh, We're a Christian family, and we like to hold ourselves to high standards and to treat everybody equal. And I definitely say that that comes straight from, from my mom and my dad and uh, – I do. I do like to carry myself to high standards and try to to represent um, myself in a high manner and also my family. The standard is the standard and standard over feelings. He is a shortstop in the Baltimore minor league system. He was the first pick overall in this year's draft. I broke down the other stats. Jackson Holiday, my guest. Jackson, really good to have you on the show. Appreciate the visit. Yeah. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Hope we can do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Like, I don't even know that was possible. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use. I mean, the product is pretty amazing. All of that, and especially, especially good when you're on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray continues. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. And it goes without saying, you better be moisturizing. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. And did I say, you had best be moisturizing. I do. You should. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. I have no idea why I have to say this, but apparently I have to say this. You cannot get nice in public. You can't. 
You can't go around sexing wherever and whenever and whomever you want. And you most definitely cannot have sex at a sporting event. I mean, it seems to be common sense, right? But apparently not common sense to baseball fans who keep getting busted for getting it on at the ballpark. Allegedly. Then again, not really allegedly, right? There's videotape of it. Yeah, I understand that sex is undefeated, but there are also some places where sex should not even be competing. There is a venue for those alleged acts, and it's definitely not any of the 30 Major League Baseball venues. Now, again, I say alleged, but there is video of said acts, video of two incidents that we know of in two different Major League ballparks in the last two weeks. Alvy. Don't get excited, Alvy. Do not get excited, Alvy. This does not mean it's all right. Calm down in there. Ding. All right, so last week we had an episode at the Coliseum in Oakland where a couple was caught on camera in alleged, in an alleged sex act, all the way up in the left field corner, upper deck. Now, let me concede a few points on this one. First, I understand the game action in Oakland this season is not nearly as exciting as the prospect of action, action. They've got the worst record and the worst attendance in baseball. It's been a rough summer there. I understand it. I get that. And I'll give them this. At least they went to the last row of the upper deck in the corner of the stadium. But just because I understand those things does not make those things okay. Or any of it okay. Here's an idea. If you'd rather get nice than watch the A's, stay the hell home. Or if you want to do both at the same time, stay the hell home and turn on the TV. Or if the urge hits you in the middle of an A's game to get coital with it, again, I understand on some level. But the solution is just leave. Go get nice. I'm all for it. Just do it somewhere with walls and a door and preferably closed windows because we don't want to hear it. Just do it someplace else. So like I saw that story out of Oakland last week and I kind of shrugged it off because, again, it's been a really rough summer for the A's and a rough summer for A's fan. However, Blue Jays fan has no excuse because the Blue Jays are in a wild card race. If the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. This is a team that's playing meaningful home games. So when a couple there went viral for getting nice in Section 500 of the Rogers Center this week, that's when I knew I had to put my foot down. That's when I knew that I had to say something. I didn't think I'd ever have to. But I knew then, when it happened again, and it happened with a team that's in contention, I knew I had to say something. And that something is very simple. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come on now. What the hell? Come on now. Don't do that. You can't wrestle at the ballpark or in any public place, but especially public places where thousands of people gather, including children. That's not cool. That's not okay. And I promise you, 
Nobody wants to see that. Not even the biggest pervs. Not even the biggest freaks. Nobody. Not even Rit. Nobody. Nobody wants to see that. Game on. <laughs> not even Alvy. Dude, dude, no, and that's no, his no. brand. It's a lifestyle for Alvin. And if you really, really, really feel voyeuristic and you want to get your exhibitionist freak on at the Rogers Center, you're actually in luck because, as many of you know, there's a bleeping hotel built into the ballpark. Windows pointing right out to the field. Now, I'm not saying that you should do that either. In fact, I'm saying please don't do that. But if you absolutely cannot get through an entire game without getting coital and you want to put on a show, there's at least a better option than Section 500. Like, kiss cams are cringe enough. But a kiss cam is exactly that. It's a kiss cam. It's not a sex cam. Sex with me. Or an oral cam. Or a get nice cam. Nice. 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 It's not a cam show. A ballpark is not a peep show. I literally can't believe I have to say these things on a nationally syndicated radio program. But apparently, since people keep doing it, I do have to say it because people need to hear it. And actually, I'm happy to say it. Nobody wants to see you getting nice. Nobody wants to see that at all. Sorry, but also not sorry. Because everybody should know this. Just like nobody wants to hear about married sex. Nobody wants to hear about that. Nobody wants to see random public sex. Period. Period. Hell, even Alvy understands that. Even Alvy, the king of getting nice, understands there is a time and place. Do you know before Alvy was the king of getting nice... Actually, I don't know that there was ever a time when he wasn't the king of getting nice. Alvy was one of those guys who had eight, was just killing the game already. Did you know that Alvy led his high school basketball team to the state championship? That's the incredible thing. Don't sleep on that. Don't sleep on the fact that Alvy ran the point before running the point. Even Alvy understands, though, there is a time and place. Even Alvin can control himself. And if he can, I guarantee the rest of you can too. Here is a very easy rule going forward. If nobody is asked to see your business, then they don't want to see your business. And that does not only apply to the ballpark, although it definitely applies to the ballpark. It applies to all public settings and all strangers in general. And no, I don't need your Woodstock 99 resets for this one. I know there's a lot of that going on too. And a lot worse. Here's one more thing before I go to break. And if it feels like I'm jamming it in, I'm not. It's important. Another viral video from this past week. Thankfully, not at a ballpark. But on some level, maybe even worse. Because of the public threat involved. Of course it happened in the air. And of course it happened, if it happened in the air, on a Southwest flight. The pilot had to inform and admonish the entire cabin 
because apparently at least one idiot continued to airdrop the pilot unwanted nudes. How they got the pilot's phone or knew who the pilot was, I don't know. But check out this audio. This is the audio of a pilot shutting down a passenger for airdropping nudes. So here's the deal. This continues while we're on the ground. I'm going to have to pull back to the gate. Everybody's going to have to get off. We're going to have to get security involved. And it's vacation that's going to be ruined. So you folks, whatever that airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to Cabo. My bad. It didn't happen in the air. They had not gotten off the ground yet. I mean, there are some absolute savages. All right, so I understand that you were going to Cabo. I understand. I, look, I've been to Cabo. I used to own a home in Cabo. I know Cabo. I really know Cabo. And I know folks that are going to Mexico. I know folks that are going to, say, Vegas. I know some folks, and I'm not saying this is the case, but I know some folks that like to get their drink on before they go. I don't know what was going on. But that literally was a pilot saying... I will turn this bleeping bird around. We're not getting off the ground unless you, quote, stop with this airdrop thing. Somebody was airdropping the pilot nude shots, and he said, stop doing it, or we'll get everybody the hell off this plane, and nobody goes to Cabo. Alvi, one more time. Here's the deal. This continues while we're on the ground. I'm going to have to pull back to the gate. Everybody's going to have to get off. We're going to have to get security involved. And it's vacation that's going to be ruined. So you folks, whatever that airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to Cabo. Whatever that airdrop thing is, let's stop sending naked pictures and get you to Cabo. Man, what I would have given a bit on that flight. You would have been like, what? Did you hear what that dude just said? I mean, every other flight in the history of the world is some flight attendant looking into their phone and reading you the directions and telling you how to put on a seatbelt. Not that, dude. You know what they're calling that? This is awesome, too. It's being referred to as, quote, cyber flashing. Cyber flashing. And again, for those who need to hear it, It's about as unwanted as randoms getting nice at the ballpark. Don't do that either. Don't cyber flash the pilot or he'll turn that bird around so fast it'll make your head spin and everybody's vacation will be wrecked. Might actually. Stop sending naked pictures. And I've heard all the jokes already. Best passenger ever. What's the matter with that pilot? I've seen them all. This might actually be a great solution for what ballparks should do when they catch a couple in the act. Don't escort them out or call security right away. Just have the PA announcer crack open the mic and hit him with something like, all right, so here's the deal. If the two of you in Section 500 keep getting after it and bumping uglies during the game, we're going to have to shut this whole thing down. The other 400 people in the seats here in Oakland are going to be asked to leave. They will not play the game. We're going to get security involved. And then the entire ballgame experience will be ruined. So you folks, whatever the hell your filthy act is, quit doing it. And let's get back to the game. I never thought that I'd have to say it. Stop having sex in public. It's not hot. It's not kinky. 
It's not perverted. It's not lawful. And nobody wants to see it. And stop airdropping the pilot. Quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to Cabo. Quit sending naked pictures and let's get you to Cabo. Can you imagine you're on your phone. You're waiting to pick somebody up. Oh, flight delay. I hate this, man. The staffing issue. The overbooking of flights. All of it. It's got to stop. Mechanical error. Oh, wait, what's this? Unwanted, unsolicited, airdrop, naked pics. Quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to Cabo. I love when they, when you get off a plane and you go rushing to the gate to see your connecting flight. And then it's like, oh, delayed weather. Oh, delayed, unwanted, airdropped, naked pics. I'd give anything to see. Not that again. Oh, come on, Southwest. How many times? I'll be like all over my kid, like Jake or Logan. Like, I, I can't believe you, man. You're so irresponsible. How do you miss your connecting flight? Hey, Dad, it's not my fault. Oh, it's your fault. It's your fault. No, Dad, it's the airdrop naked pick. Oh, you're right, son. It's not your fault. That's got to stop. I'm getting so sick of that. So you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you got this. You live nearby. You can make it home just fine. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Lance McCutcheon is my guest. Lance, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing really well. So I got to ask you off the top. I know you're going to keep grinding and keep preparing for the season opener, but how does it feel to know that you are a member of the 53-man roster of the defending Super Bowl champs? No, it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, to be honest with you. you know, I'm still kind of getting used to, uh, you know, hearing that and saying it. But, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a great opportunity for me, and I'm excited to keep working. All right, so there was a great clip of you during the Bengals game saying, quote, your boy is out here on the big stage trying to get better, trying to make this team mom, end of quote. I, I thought that was awesome. How much did she motivate you during this process? And then how good does it feel to be able to share that with your mom that you made that team? Oh, I mean, she's been uh, my motivation, you know, all the way through college. And then, like you said, during this whole process, you know, she's done everything for me. She's the reason why I'm here. And, you know, without her, I wouldn't be put in this, oppor- in this position with this opportunity. And so, you know, uh, you know, I thank my mom for everything, you know, for what she's done and sacrificed for, for me and my brother. 
It's a great story. Lance McCutcheon joining us. I love the fact that, one, you were undrafted and you made that team. And then, number two, you played your college ball at Montana State. I love that also, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But you were mic'd up for the game against the Bengals, and there's also a great clip of you on a kickoff sprinting down the field on what turned out to be a touchback. You were saying to yourself afterwards, first one down, first one down. I know you'd get rewarded for that back in the day at Montana State. What was the reward or the motivation or incentive for being the first one down on coverage? Oh, I mean, uh, on, on kickoff, you know, you don't really get an opportunity to do anything on that play when you know uh, when, it, when it's a touchback. So, just uh, it was just trying to hustle down and just sprint down there and be, you know, if not the first guy, one of the first guys down there to cross the end zone. Lance McCutcheon is joining us. Part of the mic'd up piece also includes you and Cooper Cup talking about technique. It's got to be an amazing thing for a young receiver, right, to work and learn with somebody like that. What's it been like to work with Cooper Cup and kind of pick his brain? It's been amazing. You know, he uh, you know, had one of the, the best seasons last year as a, as a receiver. And to, just be able to, you know, sit in the, the media room with him and just hear how he talks about the game and what his thought process is in and out of routes, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'd be stupid to not, you know, listen and take notes and, and learn from a guy like that. Last McCutcheon joining us. So when you went back, take me back, when you signed with the Rams after you were undrafted, what was your mindset at that point, and what did you want the team to know about you? You know, I just wanted to come in, you know, just make the team, um, you know, keep my head down. Uh, you know, I was given a great opportunity. You know, you said an undrafted guy out of, out of Montana State, which a lot of guys haven't got that coming, you know, from that program. And so, uh, you know, just was just thankful for the opportunity and was uh, just excited to get to work. Lance McCutcheon, my guest. So let's talk about that program for a minute because you played your high school ball at Bozeman High School. I know the area well because we had a house in Big Sky for about 10 years. So I know Bozeman. Bozeman is an awesome town. I love it. It's a great, great, great town. For those who do not know, how would you describe high school football, though, in Montana? What was that like? Uh, I mean... It's high school football, you know. It's what everything everything a kid could ask for when it comes to sports. And you know, we had some great teams all around the state. You know, had 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 to travel a decent amount of time for every game. But uh, you know, you know, growing up playing playing uh, high school ball, you know, some of the some of the best times of your lives. It's a big state, dude. It's a really, really big state. Lance McCutcheon joining us. I bet there was some travel. Now, the fact that you and I are having this conversation is even more remarkable when you consider in your first three years in Montana State, you had 31 receptions for just over 500 yards. Then you had that enormous senior year with 61 receptions and more than 1,100 yards. What changed for you before that senior season? Was it just opportunity or was it something else? I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it was just the opportunity. And, you know, uh, we, we had a coaching change, and so I was able to get, you know, kind of fresh eyes on on me. And, you know, it was really just, just given a chance. And then it was up to me to, you know, what I was going to do after that. But, um, you know, we, we didn't play during 2020 because of COVID, and that, that was kind of a blessing for me just to be able to, you know, not worry about the stress of a season and going through, uh, you know, the, the, entire, the entire 15 weeks. I was just able to, you know, really work on my work on my game and, just really just better myself with, you know, with a year off. I think that's really interesting what you just said. So, like, how did you improve? What did you focus on during COVID, and how did you improve? I, mean, I just really just tried to really get into the playbook. That, that was number one for me. And then, uh, you know, getting on the jug machine and uh, getting more, more flexible. I actually took a couple of yoga classes 
and, you know, was stretching and just trying to get more flexible, you know, faster and work on my route running and catching. And, yeah, you know, I, I had a year to, you know, kind of do whatever I wanted. Dude, I'm hearing more and more guys, like, really swear by yoga. What did that do for you? What's good about yoga? I absolutely love yoga. Um, you know, it's kind of funny to, you know, say that out loud, but um, I think yoga is very beneficial. And, um, yeah, you just got just to keep that up and, you know, <laughs> Dude, keep getting my body right and my mental right. I'm not trying to interrupt you. That's really funny what you just said. That You said that it's funny to say that out loud because whenever somebody falls in love with yoga and I ask them about that, they almost always say something like that. It's kind of funny to say it out loud, but... It's done so well for me. I interrupt you. You said also that it's been good for your mental. How is it good for your mental? You know, you just, you, you know, you have a, you know, 10 to 15 minutes on your mat. You know, you just put your phone down, you know, turn turn the TV off, turn the outside noise off, and you just, just kind of get there on your mat. And you, have, you have yourself, you know, and you just, just focus on your breathing and your, your technique and yoga, I guess. And, yeah, you just kind of have some, uh, some good kind of alone time. I like it. Lance McCutcheon joining us. You know, something else amazing. You're not the only former Montana State player to make that roster. Linebacker Daniel Hardy, who was a seventh-round pick, also made it. What's he like as a player and a teammate, and how pumped are you the fact that both of you made that team? I mean, I'm super pumped. You know, one, just to have a a familiar face on the team, but, you know, he's one of my best friends from MSU, and to be going through this with him and, you know, together, you know, it's been a been a once in a lifetime opportunity for the both of us, and uh, just Daniel on the field. You know, he's a workhorse. He uh, he was a linebacker at MSU, and then got asked to move to DN. And you know, he, he put on the weight, he put on the muscle, and he did everything that he needed to do to get in this position. And so, you know, he's he's shown that exactly that his first couple of weeks uh, down here in camp, and you know, uh, he's going to keep getting better every day. We are talking to Lance McCutcheon for a couple of more moments. So, you know, you obviously had a big preseason to make the team. You had five receptions for 87 yards. Excuse me. That's the mid-show almond right there that got lodged in my throat. So you you had five receptions for 87 yards and two touchdowns in that preseason game against the Chargers. What do you remember about that game? And then how good did it feel to have Sean McVay call you up to break down the team after the game? So uh, just you know what I remember for the game, uh, I went out there for like pregame, just go sit on the sit on the sideline, just kind of just look around and soak it all in. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a small town guy, and just you know to be in this position, I just want to you know to sit and look and you know enjoy enjoy the moment. And then uh, well, when it was time to go, um, like to be honest with you, I really wasn't like all that nervous. Like I kind of anticipated I was going to be once once I you know strapped in my helmet and walked out on the field, I was just I, I was locked in and ready to go and ready to, uh, you know, provide for my teammates. Hey, listen, finally, you, I mean, you've earned this spot. You're one of them. You're one of the 53. You earn it without question. I've spoken to Sean McVay and Les Snead and countless members of that team over the years, and I've always been really impressed by the culture of that team. How would you describe the mindset and the vibe of the Rams? What's that like? What makes them special? You know, I would say uh, – Coming off the Super Bowl win last year, you know, no one, no one in this building is satisfied with that. You know, we everyone understands that it's a new year, it's a, it's a new opportunity, and uh, you know, a, a new team. And uh, no one's really, you know, banking off of what what they accomplished last year. And you know, like I said, everyone's excited to get going with this with this new season and, and see what we can do. 
He was named to the 53-man roster yesterday, undrafted out of Montana State, had a big preseason, and the defending champs are going to open up against Buffalo on September 8th. My guest, wide receiver Lance McCutcheon. Lance, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. Hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums and worse yet, how their rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to the daily jungle. You know, the stuff that we talk about here daily. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Another NFL story that absolutely blows my mind. Of all the NFL stories, this one blows my mind about as any. Like, I've been in this game for a minute now. I've made it my mission to be in this game for a hell of a lot longer. But I can confidently say, right here, right now, I have never, ever seen, nor do I think I ever will see, a career quite like Josh Rosen's. And I'm not talking about a guy that's been in it 15 years and has bounced around and had some ups and downs. I'm talking about a guy who was drafted not that long ago. And I'm already going to say, I'm not sure I've ever seen a career quite like his. I mean, this dude's career has been absolutely bananas. Bananas. Mind-blowing type bleep. Now, we are talking about a guy that was once touted as a can't-miss prospect. Somebody that many experts had as the most talented quarterback in a talented 2018 NFL class. Don't forget who was in that class. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all first rounders. And he was in that class and there were some that thought that he was the best of that lot. The best. And now Rosen has now been a member of not one. Not two, not three, not four, not five, five, but six. Yeah, maybe seven. If somebody else takes a shot, he has already been a member of six NFL teams. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. The quarterback desperate Cleveland Browns were not even desperate enough to keep my guy Josh Rosen on their roster and became the sixth organization that told the QB his services were no longer needed. It is insane how this guy is not good enough to stick anywhere. The Browns, again, are his sixth team in what would be his fifth NFL season. The dude who was the 10th pick overall in 2018 is two years younger than Baker Mayfield. Check this career out. He spent his rookie season with Arizona. They drafted him to be their franchise quarterback. Then they ship him to Miami after they realize that he's not their franchise quarterback. And then they take Kyler Murray. He stays in Miami for a season before getting waived. And then they draft Tua. He then heads to Tampa's practice squad. On to Frisco. The ATL. And now just gets kicked to the curb by Cleveland. The guy started 13 games as a rookie in Arizona, three more games in Miami the following year. He's thrown 11 passes since then, all 11 in Atlanta, while completing two passes to his own team and two passes to the other team. So for his career, Josh Rosen 
has completed 54% of his passes while throwing 12 TDs and 21 picks. Like, you could not have made this career up for anybody, let alone a guy that was so highly touted, if you tried. I mean, remember when the biggest knock on this guy was that he was supposedly too smart? You don't want him around because he's too smart, and he's going to ask too many questions. Like, you want guys to be smart enough to figure out the scheme, but not so smart that they question everything. That used to be the rap. Not that he couldn't throw the ball to the right team. Or I don't know, maybe he's just too damn smart. Maybe he won't stop asking smart questions, and that's why he keeps getting his key card ripped. Again, don't forget, we're talking about a former five-star recruit. The top-rated quarterback in his class. A guy who spurned offers everywhere so he could stay in SoCal and play for UCLA. Such a good prospect that it was a given that he was going to bounce the very second he became draft eligible in three years. The highest UCLA quarterback drafted since Troy Aikman. And no less an authority on quarterbacking than Aikman himself hyped Rosen as one of the best passers he had ever seen leading up to that draft. And again, it wasn't just Troy Aikman homing for UCLA Bruin. It wasn't just Troy Aikman predicting greatness for Rosen. Everybody did. He was the Rosen one. The majority of analysts thought this guy was going to be awesome. I knew it. I loved him. And since then, he's done nothing but take a big dump in his pants. Big dump in your pants. And I hate to do this because I like the dude. I do. But it did start on draft night. It started on draft night when the kid who also had a Baker Mayfield chip on his shoulder promised the world that it would regret passing on him. Every team that passed on him was going to regret that. And he was going to make sure every last one of them Paid a dear price. Listen to what Rosen said on draft night after he slid all the way to 10. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. And I, um, I will make sure over, over the next decade or so that they, they, will, they will know that they made a mistake. I mean, damn, dude. Has there ever been a soundbite that aged worse than that? And that was only a little over four years ago. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Dude was acting like he was Aaron Rodgers, just brooding in the green room, waiting until near the end of the first round to hear his name picked. Dude, you were the 10th pick overall, and now you're looking at your 7th team overall. Rodgers is still on his only team. Rodgers is one of the best to ever do it. You were picked 10th, and it seems to me you were more pissed about that than Rodgers was at being picked 24th. And I don't remember seeing anybody as pissed as Aaron was when he went 24th. Like, these sound bites from Rosen on draft day are mind-blowing. Nothing has aged worse, Alvin. Run that one more time. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. And I, um, I will make sure over, over the next decade or so that they, they, will, they will know that they made a mistake. Like, I loved Josh Rosen. I did. But that sound bite is the perfect compliment to this guy's career. Like, I don't know what's worse, the sound bites that night or his career since he said them. I just know this. It is one of the weirdest things ever. And I've yet to hear anybody explain how or why this happened. Like, bust? 
and train wreck do not begin to explain the implosion and the odyssey that is Josh Rosen's career. This dude was a damn near lock when a damn near lock really doesn't exist. And he can't stick on anybody's roster, even as a number three, does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Safety, Jalen Thompson joins us. Jalen, good to have you back. How are you? How you doing, boss? Good to, good to be back. It's good to have you back, dude. So you and I spoke early in the season last year, so I did want to catch up because you're coming off that massive, massive year. I know you're focused on this year, but when you look back on last season, what did you learn and how much did your game grow? Uh, grew a lot, you know what I mean? Learned a lot of stuff. Uh, and, you know, that just comes with uh, experience and time in the league. Um, I feel like this year is going to be a good year. Um, you know, our coaching staff has been making sure that uh, we've been, they call this thing, uh, act right. So we've been trying to align correctly, communicate correctly, and our uh, technique is correct. So I feel like we do those things. Uh, the team is going to be pretty good. Jalen Thompson joining us. Interesting, because earlier this summer, Cliff Kingsbury was saying that your story is incredible. He said, quote, to get drafted like he did, come in that late and go right to training camp and emerge as one of the better players on the team. It's been tremendous. You watch his work ethic and preparation day in and day out. He is one of the best open field tacklers in the league. End of quote. I mean, it was only three years ago that you were drafted. So how do you think you've gotten to this point this fast? Uh, like I said, just with uh, all the all the people around me helping me out, uh, you know, guys like Buddha, guys like uh, uh, my DB coach, uh, Coach Imrob, Coach G, uh, Coach VJ, all those guys have been helping me out uh, to transform me into the player I am today. So. Um, hats off to those guys as well. Jalen Thompson joining us. You mentioned Buddha. There are some great, great safety combinations in the NFL right now. You and Buddha, uh, Buddha Baker, of course, are right up there with the best of them. What do you like most about Buddha's game, and how are the two of you able to be so successful together? Uh, the, the biggest thing I like about Buddha's game is that um, he plays with no fear. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody has seen that clip of him saying, uh, I'm not scared of anybody, you know what I mean? So the biggest thing for me is uh, – just watching him play is just, you know, we're smaller guys, and he comes with that no-fear mentality uh, all the time. And just to go off that, I feel like we're similar um, in the fact that we're both versatile. We can go down and play nickel. We can go down and, and, and even play corner as sometimes. Also, we, like, obviously we play safety. So, um, you know, we're just trying to be as versatile as we can. That, like I said, can only help the uh, defense. I appreciate that. Jalen Thompson joining us. Buddha's also been making the point that, well, to you and everybody else, that he should not be the only Cardinal safety who goes to the Pro Bowl. Look, I know you're not playing for individual honors. Your focus is on the Super Bowl, not the Pro Bowl. But what would it mean to you to be named to a Pro Bowl this year? Is it a goal of yours? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, all the hard work that um, I put in in the offseason, um, it would be huge to, you know, get get my name into the Pro Bowl and uh, people to start recognizing me. You know, it's interesting because coaches don't say things like this, not specifically like this, much less a guy like this. But D coordinator Vance Joseph said of you, quote, every coach on the staff would probably tell you he's our favorite player, end of quote. I'm not sure I've heard a coordinator say something like that. That is really high praise. What's it mean to you to hear that? And then how much pride do you take in that? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. It's, it honestly puts a chip on my shoulder and makes me want to work even harder for these guys, you know what I mean, for them to uh, believe in me. You know, like you said, they took me in the supplemental draft. So 
um, it just puts a chip on my shoulder to go out there and work even harder for these guys and uh, work harder for my team. You know, one more thing he said that I think is really interesting. He said that, quote, your coverability, the contact violence he plays with, that's rare stuff for a guy with the coverage ability of a nickelback. Also really high praise. You know, you do bring the violence when you tackle, but the game has changed a lot over the years. How do you strike that balance of making that big hit without getting flagged? Um, really just the technique part of it. Uh, we, we go through those types of drills uh, every week, and um, it's just technique, technique year, uh, years of doing it, you know what I mean? Years of uh, getting your head out of, the, out of the way when you're making a tackle, just uh, seeing the running back's hips, seeing the receiver's hips, you know what I mean? Just a little stuff like that. So it's all, it all comes with experience. Hey, Jalen, tell me if this is right or wrong, because I would never believe it knowing you and talking to you. But the story goes, when you first arrived there, you were actually pretty quiet. I mean, obviously, you are vocal and you're a leader. Were you quiet when you got there? And if so, how much more comfortable are you now leading from the front? Uh, definitely a little bit uh, quieter. Um, and that's just, you know, that that comes with the confidence part of it. Uh, I had to get the, the confidence, the plays all the way down. And then uh, once you do that, you know, it's just – going out there and, and being vocal with it. And uh, when you're vocal, you know, guys buy into that and guys see uh, this guy's a leader. So um, as a safety, making all the making all the plays and the adjustments and the, uh, being the quarterback of the defense, you want guys to buy in and trust you uh, if you're making a call. So that's just the biggest thing for me. Yeah, but the thing is, right, they'll buy in and they'll follow if you know what you're talking about and you execute and you make plays. I mean, you got to earn that respect. And in a room like that, it's really hard. For instance, the, the defense that you play, that is not an easy defense to learn or an easy defense to communicate. How would you describe that defense and your role in it to an outsider? Um, this defense, we're, we're a versatile defense. Guys can do multiple things in, in, in this defense, and uh, that's just the biggest thing is just uh, going out there each and every day and uh, studying your playbooks, getting the playbook and uh, running, running through the calls each and every day so that when you get out there the next day, uh, nothing comes as, as a surprise when it's a motion or it's a jet or something off-key happens, you know what I mean? So um, pretty much just staying in the, in the playbook and – like I said, that's just uh, that's just years of experience. Because uh, in college, it was never like that. Uh, staying in the playbook as much as it is in the NFL. So it's just um, you know meeting with the coaches uh, after practice, meeting with the coaches in the morning, making sure that I got everything down so I can be the best leader I can on the field and be vocal. Jalen Thompson joining us, which leads me to this. One of the phrases that I've heard you repeat to yourself a lot is intentional and consistent, intentional and consistent. It sounds like that's kind of like what you're getting at with this conversation, but yes, sir. What, what do those two words mean to you, and why is that such an important part of your mindset on and off the field, to be intentional and consistent? Um, pretty much, and and I use that for any time I step on the field, uh, say intentional and consistent because that's the biggest thing you come out to practice if you're intentional and you're uh you know what i'm saying doing all the right stuff the act right stuff the alignment communication technique stuff and you're trying to do that to a to a uh, perfection um when you get in game time everything should slow down and it should just be natural and that's the biggest thing for me going out each and every day to practice and just uh you know being intentional being consistent and uh showing these guys that that i can be that leader for them on on the field so that uh, when we get in the game time, there's no issues. So you mentioned that at the top, and then you referenced it again, the, quote, act right stuff. What is or what are, what is the act right stuff? 
Uh, so uh, the A in the act right is, is the alignment part, you know, getting aligned, getting set up, making sure everybody else is set up. The C is the communication part, making sure that everybody has a call, whether it's the D linemen, whether it's the linebackers, the corners, making sure everybody has the call. And then the technique stuff, that's just, you know, um, lining up, making sure that uh, what we go through in individuals and stuff is, is translating over to the team periods. And then um, after all that, you know, you just play with with your God-given ability and, uh, you know, just go with, go with it from there. That makes sense. All right, so let me finally ask you. This was a five-win team a few years back, then eight wins, then 11 last year. But nobody was happy about winning 11 and going to the playoffs. They want more. What's the next step in this team's growth look like to you? What kind of expectations do you have for this season? Uh, expected to be a, a great season. You know, we got guys coming back, uh, guys that are that are ready to, you know what I'm saying, make plays. And uh, the biggest thing for me is just uh, when we get towards that later part of the season, finishing strong and finishing the way that we want to. So I know we're carrying a chip on our shoulder uh, from last year. So uh, we should start off strong. We just got to finish strong uh, this upcoming season. Hey, finally, how much did the way last season ended motivate you throughout this off season? Oh, it's a it's a big motivation. You know what I mean. I went through this whole off season thinking about uh, all the plays I messed up on, all the plays that I could have been a little bit better on, and uh, you know how I could have helped my team. And I'm I'm sure all the other guys did the same thing as well. So, and it's showing up in practice. It's showing up. Uh, guys are a lot more competitive this year. Guys are uh, flying around. So it should be a pretty good year. He's coming off an amazing year, 121 tackles last season, three interceptions as well, a safety for the Cardinals, Jalen Thompson. Jalen, great to have you back. Appreciate the energy, appreciate the interview, and always good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Good night now!